0: Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on called out to call out. All right, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. And now we are brothers. I'm going to say this everybody can laugh in unison. I'm going to try to get you out quick today. That's hilarious. I was going to, but it's t- 11.45, guys, already. Come on, you yeah. know? So I'm still going to do my part shorter than normal, but it, we're going to get out at the same time because I have less time than normal. So blame Jahan all right. and Paul and Chloe and all the worship team that that just blessed us so much today. Hebrews 10, 19. And now... We are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus, and he welcomes us to come right into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and with no hesitation, for he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. Isn't that powerful in the Passion Translation? Just like the veil was rent, Jesus' body was rent so that we could have access to come to him. And since we now have a magnificent king priest to welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced by faith that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity, and we have been freed from an accusing conscience. Now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. Does that make anybody happy? Anybody else? Yes. All right, there's some more of you excited about that. Verse 23, so now we must cling tightly to the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. So because of all those things, okay, because his body has been torn like the veil and we have access to him, he is our high priest, we have we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Because of that, so now we must cling tightly to the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them toward acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. Okay? So we're supposed to discover creative ways to encourage each other and motivate them. Encourage and motivate them. To acts of compassion. Verse 25, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. Now, I know that... Um, the reality that there is a few people here today in light of what we've walked through over the last seven days, that it would seem as such, I have pulled this out this morning to um, hurt and offend people that aren't at church today, right? Oh, man, he's just getting it. To the contrary, as I've processed this week, the decision whether to have church or not, God has forged in me, redefined in me, brought back to me the purpose and the reasoning and the mission, the vision of why we come together at all. Because to be honest, I have become one in light of what's happening in our culture, in our nation, in the world. That has, um, before a few weeks ago, felt like there was really not any significant reason not to just do it online. I've even said, you know, this is amazing. We have this tool. This will work the same. And I think there is a lot of what we are supposed to do as a body that we can do. We can teach, we can exhort, we can discover creative ways to challenge and motivate and energize people to do good works. We can do that through an online model. We can do that through an engaging. And I think that where I was and where a lot of us get is we get this distorted view of the church and it can completely mess us up. In more ways. And so that's where I have discovered today. And so you will have to take this today, however you take it. You'll have to uh, appropriate it to yourself, however you want to appropriate it to to yourself. But I'm going to share um, just what I think is a refining of what we're supposed to do and accomplish as a church and what it is. And I want to explain, I want to defend my choice to continue to meet in person. I want to explain. I want you to, I want to share my heart. I want their, you know, uh, not, we're doing it this way because I said, I want, I hope that you catch the vision today and the reason. It's easy as parents to say, do it because I said it, right? Wow. If your kids can understand why you said it, Uh, many times they will be so much more excited about doing it because they understand your heart. That doesn't mean every time you say no, you have to sit down and convince them to see it your way, right? Sometimes they just have to do it. But I think if we're going together in vision and mission, I think it's important that we have the same mind as to why we are doing this and why it is important, And so do not neglect, translation in King James says, do not forsake, okay, coming together as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. I want to talk about the church. I want to talk about the ecclesia, Ekklesia is the Greek word translated in the New Testament as church. It comes from ek, meaning out from and to. Ek means out from and to. So church is out from something and to something. Okay? And kaleo means to call. So ekklesia means to call out from and to. It has to do with the group of people called out from one place to another. It is an assembly or a congregation. The Ecclesia in New Testament is a group of people who have been called out of the world and to God. It is the church. I want to debunk some uh, false ideas, I believe, of what we think the church is. I hear many people saying that the church is not uh, a building. That's true. But they also say the church is not a local congregation. The church is God's body, God's people at large. True, true. But when you look at the definition of ecclesia, when you look at the structure of ecclesia, whether you meet in a local body or you say, I don't have to go to church to be in the church, It's just God's body. Well, that's only if the body that you're claiming that you're a part of looks like a local church. Okay? There's local churches and then there's the church at large. We're not doing a great job in the church at large as being united and genuinely being the church. We don't have authority and structure and unity in the church at large. I'm praying and believing God. For that, but we have local churches that we can associate that way. So the church is not just some metaphorical, it's not just some loose thing. It's not just as soon as you come to know Christ, you're a part of the church. It is a structured body, it is a structured body, it is an assembly. So if you're saying, I don't have to go to church, I am the church, do you have accountability? Do you have accountability? Do you have covering? Are you known? See, we don't want to be known. We don't want to know and be known. But the church, the people in the church are known and they know others. See, this whole church word didn't come in until the New Testament. And it came after the book of Yen and... After Acts 2, 4, the Holy Spirit. And after Jesus' encounter with Peter and he says, upon the revelation that I am the Christ, son of the living God, I will build my church. In another word there, another translation says, my legislative body. There is a structure to the church So folks that say I'm in the church and I have no structure, that's not the church. You're an orphan and there's no orphans in the kingdom. There's sons and daughters in the kingdom. And we're sons and daughters of the church. We're part of a body. The very picture of, it's the global body of Christ. Yes, are you the thumb? Who's the head? Jesus. But are you connected to other people in the body? Now, this isn't our love people sermon today. But I just want us to define what is the church? What is the point? If there is no point, I'm all about it. Come on. Let's just do away with meetings. Let's just do away with coming together. Let's find an easier way to facilitate this. Let's lay low. When the pandemic is over, we'll all come back together. No, we won't. We'll be snuffed out. We'll be separated. We won't survive it because being in the church is crucial to be connected to a body. And so whether it's local, whether it's Redemption Life, whether it's whatever other church, whether it's First Baptist Pal, whatever the church is, it is a subdivision. It is a smaller microcosm of the church, but have no doubt that the church has structure. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. If you say you're in the body, how does blood get to you? How does wind get to you? How does breath get to you? There is a structure, and we have a lot of people that buck structure and buck accountability and buck all these things and use the excuse that church is not the body. Church is, that's an abused thing. That's, well, if the church is wrong, then we need to fix the church. We need to fix the church, and I want to talk to you more about that. But the answer is not to do away with the only thing in the body of Christ that resembles what he intended the church to be. Are you with me? The global church does not resemble what God intended the church to be. No matter how jacked up some of the local churches are, no matter how many times we get it wrong, we more closely resemble what God intended the church to be than all the people being divided and saying, I'm part of the body. I'm in the church because at least we have some structure even if we abuse it, even if we mess it up. So the answer is not to do away with the church. It's to fix the church. It's to fix the church. Are you with me today? Here it is in just a Webster Dictionary Ecclesia, an assembly of Christians gathered for worship in a religious meeting a company of Christian or of those who, hoping for eternal salvation through Jesus Christ, observe their own religious rites, hold their own religious meetings, and manage their own affairs according to regulations prescribed for the body or for order's sake. Those who anywhere in a city, village, town constitute such a company and are united into one body. See, when we talk about the church not being a localized church, who did Paul write letters to? The church, the church at Ephesus, the church at Corinth, the churches that Paul gave his life to establish because that was God's intent. Who is the letters in Revelation written to? if it was just the body of Christ, why would there be different letters? Come on, Amen. Right. Why would there be different letters? Come on. Why would I have an ought with this in this church and an ought with this in this church? The goal was fix the churches, yeah. but not do away with them and say, hey, it doesn't really matter what y'all do because we really don't care about individualized churches. It's not the church. It's Come just on. the body of Christ. Wouldn't there just be one letter? But there's not. There's specific things addressed. So, the local church, I submit to you today that the local church, in all of its faults, in all of its misgivings, in all of its problems at times, is the closest resemblance to what God intended his body to be. I mean, my goodness, if we all come together. This is going to sound crazy, all right? You're going to think I'm really a heretic now. But if we all come together and worship this cup, and this is a cup worshiping, this is a Lifehouse cup. If we all worship Lifehouse, I'd be rich. Our kids stayed home today, so I had spare time when I got ready this morning. <laughs> was like, Dad, I'll make you a coffee at the shop. I was like, let's do it. <laughs> but if we all came together, this is a strong statement, but I believe this. If we all came together and worshiped this cup, we would have, if we did a lot of the things that were prescribed in structure to the church, even though we were worshiping a cup, it would more closely resemble the intent of the body of Christ, even though we're completely not even including Christ. Are you with me? Than someone who says they're in the body of Christ that has no connection to other believers. Are you with me? I mean, we'd be worshiping totally false, right? We would all be in hell because we worship a cup. But as far as the tenets, as far as logistical, as far as the coming together... If we came together and worshiped anything, it'd look more like the church than those that never come together and worship Christ. I got one with me over here. I love Bill Johnson. Sometimes he'll just walk to the other side of the stage. That's good, Bill. That was a good point right there. That's good, Michael. I like that. Sometimes we get so infatuated with our deep revelations about who God is that we think it's too much to even subject or submit to other people in a body. How blind do you have to be to believe that? Somehow you're superior. You've got such a deeper revelation of God, you can just do it all by yourself. You can't, it's crucial. To truly function as a church, we must know and be known by other believers. Or you can't function as a church. What happens when you're by yourself and God speaks like he spoke to me and you don't call Pastor Tom and you don't call Padre Rick and you don't call elders and you don't call other believers and you don't receive texts from friends that help you and affirm you or correct you and help you what happens everything we think we hear becomes god and we end up completely and totally lost so i say to you if you don't believe in coming together you may be worshiping god but eventually you'll be worshiping a cup all by yourself are you with me But if we start out together worshiping a cup, I believe somehow God will turn the whole congregation into worshiping him truly because there'll be at least the coming together, knowing one another, holding each other accountable. One of us is going to get a revelation. One of us is going to say, hey, this is stupid following a cup. Somebody else is going to say, I second that. I agree with that. We're all going to start being hungry together. We're all going to start hearing God together, and we're going to come to a place of truth. I can't imagine what people are going to think of this sermon today. Man, i got to keep the doors open because I think it's crucial. I think it's the heart of God. I think it's what he intended us to be. I have to believe that someone today, it's life or death, whether or not you were able to come into this place today. I have to believe God's intention for the church will be manifest here in us. And if I don't, God forbid, we go on another day, another Sunday, another service, painting walls and buying new chairs. Ridiculous. And if we do, we will try to steward it the best way that we can and we'll try to honor authorities and we'll try to do everything we can to safeguard and do all the things that we need to do. And we may have to, we may have to be flexible at times and we may have to do other things and we won't be stubborn and we won't be rebellious and we won't be nearsighted and we won't be, you know, prideful. But if at all possible, we've got to give the opportunity for ecclesia. You can't be called out if nobody knows you. And you can't call anybody else out if you don't know them. But we're the called out to call out in others. 1 Peter 2, 9 says, You're God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation, set apart as God's devoted ones. You ready? He called you out of darkness, to experience his marvelous light. Now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. For at one time you were not God's people, but now you are. At one time you knew nothing of God's mercy because you hadn't received it yet, but now you are drenched with it. My divinely loved friends, since you are resident aliens and foreigners in this world, I appeal to you that you divorce yourselves from evil desires that wage war within you see this is Peter calling out believers and he called them out because he had been called out and he knew them man you look at these letters from Paul to the churches what if he didn't know them what if they didn't have gatherings? What if they didn't come together and be attempting to worship God with all that they can, and then He was able to come in and critique things, and help them and shed light on things, and say, "Hey, you, you need, you, you've become, you know, you've went back." He writes to one. I, I I can't keep them all in my mind, but hey, you've you've gone back to elementary things to one church. He says. You've been, you've been deceived. They've got you believing you're going to merge back into Jewish law and all these things. You need to separate from that. He didn't write that to every church. He wrote that to one church, right? He wrote to some churches about giving, He had specific words to churches. Hey, man, you guys need to be instructed on giving like the other church, man. Let me tell you about this other church and how they gave out of their lack and God richly blessed them. You guys need to learn from that church. He spoke to the church. He spoke to churches. Look at Matthew 5, 13 and 16. Your lives are like salt among the people, but if you like salt, become bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled on by others. Your lives light up the world. Let others see your light for from a distance for how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? How can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? I was reminded this week, Jahan The last ladies gathering that y'all had, I don't know exactly what the topic was, but you talked about being a light, keeping your lamp burning, I guess, and uh, she shared a lot of that teaching with me before the night, and then just really shared it with me more afterwards, and I loved it. And she showed me the video that she showed you ladies of uh, really showing light, light, It was about light pollution, they say, but it was beautiful in the context of what the kingdom should do in the world, and it showed how light, you know, you could literally see from satellites, like, light pockets, and and you could tell so much about culture, about climate, about all kinds of things, the wealth of a city based on how much light it put out, right? Right? You could tell so much things, whether, you know, and you could tell that, hey, this city, I remember one, I don't remember which one it was, was it North, that North, used to be bright, North and South Korea, um, they used to be the same or bright, what was it? East and West Germany. Anyway, there's a very distinct line where they're divided, and one's brighter than the other. One becomes bright and one not, and it just shows the developing of that nation. And, and so we talked about that light, but it says, your light, your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance, for how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And Lord just spoke to me through this this week. He's talking about us being individual lights, and he goes on to say, don't let your light who puts a light under a bushel, right? But the reference to a city, can one person be a city? Can one person make a nation bright? These light, what's it called? Light uh, pollution, they called it. But this light um, tracing, the way to see where the light is, city, city, City speaks to a lot of things. S- city speaks to government. How does a place become a city? It has a government. It becomes a what? Municipality or something? Isn't that right? Or something? There's a thing when you become a city. It's yet. yet no cities don't have some type of government. Pal is not a city. We don't have any type of structural government. We're just POW. I don't even know what that means. I don't know who decided that. We're POW. I don't know what our border is. I don't know. I'm going to run for mayor of PAL. We can pretend. Let's just make it. But it, it denotes Government it denotes connectivity. For a city to be on a hill and to shine bright, it is a conglomerate of a lot of lights. It it resonates many lights coming together. There was a few, uh, sometime last year on a Wednesday night we were talking about this and, and, and we were talking about a city and being on a hill and it was just it was a powerful time. I think we were talking about foundations and how God is so concerned with foundations, and and He just showed me like He's so concerned with foundations that we end up being on a hill because we've spent so much time building foundation. But if we spend time building foundation, we automatically are elevated. But when we're elevated, we need to shine. We don't need to waste our elevation. And so I think the plan of God is by the time that someone is raised, by the time someone has paid attention to the foundation, I remember a prophetic word over my life years ago said you will see the cracks in the foundation. Many times since then I've said, Lord, please quit letting me see the cracks in the foundation. It drives me insane. I wish I could ignore the cracks in the foundation. I felt such a license. I listened to a a speaker an apostolic leader one time, and he said, I can't walk into a service without noticing every single thing. And I used to think I just wasn't spiritual because I noticed every single thing. And he said, that's just the mindset of a builder. That's the mindset of, of apostolic leadership. You just, you're, you're looking constantly at structure and foundation and how things fit together and navigate and it, it gets you kind of focused on those things. So you just have to keep your eyes closed. But I think that's how I'm wired and that's how I'm geared. But by the time you get that foundation built and you're a city, there's there's government, there's structure, there's there's more than one person in a city. There's more than one function in a city. City, to maintain a city, you've got to have different functions. You've got to have a gas station, you've got to have a bread store. Bread store. You gotta have a grocery store. <laughs> you gotta have a you gotta have a milkman while I'm using crazy terms. You gotta have different things. You know what else is amazing in a the city? They have modes of transportation. Beautiful thing about a city is a city has systems and structure put in place to move people from point A to point B. So if we're going to be a city set on a hill, we've got to have more than one person. We've got to have people that come into agreement to reside in the same place in the same mind in one accord, right? We have to have some system and some structure. We have to have some government. We have to have some accountability. So we can call out and be called out, right? And we have to have some transportation. We have to have methods and we have to have means by which to move people from one place to another. Lord, help us to be ready to move people from one place to another. They come in one way, but we believe we're called to help them move to another place while being a part of the body. But the very connotation of a city that stands on a hill not being able to be hid says we're not an island by ourselves. We're not a singular candlestick somewhere, not under a bushel. We need to take our candlestick and find some other candlesticks and let ourselves be incorporated into a city so that we can change the world. That's the difference in being singular and being connected. I'm not going to read this for sake of time, but Matthew 16 is when Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say, he says, but who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, son of the living God. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my father who is in heaven, has revealed this to you. And from now on, I'm going to call you Peter. Peter which means stone. But upon this bedrock foundation, which really gives us insight into, it's not Peter that the church is built on, but it is upon the foundation that Peter had. Peter was a chip off of the old block because he had the foundation. He had the revelation. But upon this bedrock of this revelation of who I am, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it you can be a light you can be a rock but if you'll join yourself into a church you'll become a force that cannot be stopped see i believe the church weaponizes believers oh my kids love this guy called kendall gray let me just give him a plug because i just was so encouraged by him this week there's a young guy named kendall gray he does youtube videos He's a believer. He's a young man, 15, 16 years old maybe. He does YouTube videos. He's so encouraging. He's so positive. He's so clean. He gives Bible verses at the end of every video. And this is who kids are watching. It's awesome. Personality is amazing. I saw a video he made the other day. He has Crohn's disease. They were taking out eight inches of his colon, and he's in the hospital making a video after the surgery and still being encouraging and positive. And I thought, look at God giving that young man so much influence because he's pers- pressing through, pers- in per- persevering through pain. I just think the, the boy's such a bright light and God's using him. And I just pray for him. So turn your kids on to, I just went blank, Kendall Gray. He's awesome. But the other day, he bought this random thing, and he's making a video about it. He bought a R, RGB. What's the, what's the rocket? RPG. RTG? RPG. Come on, Jeremy, what is it? RPG. RPG. What's it stand for? Rocket-propelled grenade. Rocket grenade. He bought an RPG. Of course, it's not functional, and he bought this RPG, and he bought an actual, the launcher is something else, I guess, RPG launcher he bought. But then he had to buy an RPG, an actual RPG somewhere else. And he's able to put that in there and he's just showing the video and just how cool it is. It doesn't even work, but he just really wanted it. It's so fun to watch him. But, but he takes this RPG apart and, of course, there's nothing in it. And he's talking about what it would be if it had it in it. And I'm thinking that's how individual believers are when they're not connected to a church you know you look good you got all the stuff you know people must think man you're powerful until you go up against cancer or you go up against some disease you want to go pray for the sick you want to do something powerful and then there's just a form of godliness denying the power thereof i believe power comes from the body and I believe the church was instituted to weaponize believers. I will build my church, my legislative body, yeah. upon this revelation. In yeah. that word there, he's talking about a corporate body, yeah. a gathering, not I'll build my bunch of individuals that know who I am. Look at the disciples. Look at the apostles. Look at the lives they lived. Look what their commitment was to. The ones that walked with Christ, they were passionate about establishing the church and churches. Amen? I believe we have to start at home. Let's work on our church, and if people would work on their churches, I think we'd cha- see a change in the church. But we have to see the value of the church. Ephesians 4, 11, 12, and he's appointed some with grace to be apostles, some with grace to be prophets, and some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These people with calls and mandates on their life not only us as believers, listen, I listen to teaching. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say more than anybody in this room. I listen to people that I'm not in church with as much or more than anybody in this room, I would say. I love to feed off of people that I don't get to worship with all the time. I love to be led and, and pastored and encouraged and spoken into. I love to do all of those things but it will never take the place of being in this body. Never, because they don't know me. It will never take the place of sitting in my living room one day and defending myself to (laughs) Padre Rick and him literally busting my chops and being a hammer and chisel in the hand of God because he knew me and he busted me. And he corrected me. Bill Johnson is not going to correct me. He's not. I love him. I glean from him. I listen to him. But we have to be known and know people. And I would say not only can we not flock to people and that be our only source... If we are those people that are called to be prophets and apostles and evangelists and teachers, all those things. There's so many people that claim to be called to be those things that aren't connected to a body. You, you, prophets should have no influence if they're not connected to a body. They should have no influence if they're not connected to a body, because their prophetic words have no accountability and they need to be accountable. Evangelists, as powerful as they are, I don't think they're going to do much if they evangelize (laughs) thousands, but they're not connected to a body. They don't have any... Because you know what? All of us who are called to do things, we think that's the best thing in the world. If you sit down with an evangelist, if you sit down with a missionary, a missionary is going to tell you, if you don't go out of the country, and if you don't eat... Whatever, if you don't do all these things, you're not saved. I mean, you see, I've taken young people on mission trips and they come back and think their parents are not saved because their parents aren't as woke as they are about the hardships of the world. But seriously, every one of us has a bend. We have a bend to a gifting and we think it's the most important. And the body helps us understand That evangelism is not the only thing that God is concerned about. Prophecy is not the only thing that God is concerned about. Teaching is not the only thing that God is concerned about. Us being the smartest body about the word of God is not the only thing he's concerned about. We need a body for that. And if you don't have that, you're dangerous. because yeah. you're going to put yokes on people and you're going to believe the hype yourself, and you're going yeah. to eventually fall, because yeah. you're not accountable. So the point of it is is to prepare the believers to do the works of ministry and nurture them. And so we've got to be connected to a body. Look at Acts 2 right after the day of Pentecost. Verse 42, every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked one to another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. Isn't it amazing? The same chapter, the Holy Spirit manifested as tongues of fire and fell on the 120 in the upper room. The church looks a lot like a local body. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that the Holy Spirit didn't fall in the upper room and fill all of them like cloven tongues of fire and then they all went back to their houses and says, I'm more spiritual than everybody else because I've received the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues as he gave me utterance? I don't need church. I mean, could they do that? Couldn't, that, couldn't they do that? Like, what else is there for me? I'm, I'm, I've, I'm pinnacled out. I'm there, right? I, I, I'm, the, I'm the high echelon, why, why? you know? But it motivated them. It empowered them. Uh, the Holy Spirit, the comforter will come, He'll remind you of everything that I said. He'll instruct you in the way that and he'll show you the plan of the kingdom. And so when he comes there's this brand new re-energized focus, this brand new birthing of this structural coming together. And they regularly gathered together for prayer. They regularly regularly gathered together and shared. Communion and their hearts were linked. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared with one another whatever they had. The apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders, they were all in one body. You see those going together. Many miracles, signs, and wonders, they were all in one body. Many miracles, signs, and wonders, they were all in one body. It's so important. All the believers were in fellowship as one body, they shared whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. I think we've missed it on that. I was talking with some other pastors. It was just a great God meeting connection. We're meeting together, and there's there's a lot of this happening right now. There's some of it happening on a national scale, a global scale, but but I feel so challenged on a local scale to try my best to institute this. Sharing whatever they had, selling what they needed to help one another. Okay? Nobody wants to give away all their stuff, but man, just, 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 the, just, a, just a little piece of that. If you need your car fixed, if you're going to pay for a service, the body of Christ needs to be connected. Does that make sense? We need to know. We, if we're going to put money and invest money into something, we should be investing into believers. We should be investing into businesses that are ran by believers. Yeah. We, you know, I know sometimes we're like, oh, they got a fish on their on their van. They want everybody to know they're Christian. That's so petty. Right? But man, what if, just think about this, what if the church really buckled down and focused and said, you know what? I want all of my service. I want all of my everything to be i want my money to be i want it to be kept in the body we'd be money would never leave the body see what i'm saying we would give but then every other service that we're having to do that money wouldn't leave the body it would be just redistributed in the body we'd keep doing it I think that's a picture of this selling what they had. Man, I'm so encouraged. I want us to do it as a body. I want us to have a registry here. I want us, if it's $200 more, I'd rather pay $200 more and keep it in the family. Y'all didn't like that. I I lost you on the pay more, didn't I? Huh? But you're paying more to keep it in the family. Instead, we're like... Are you a Christian? I'm a Christian. Give me a great deal. No, man, you were going to pay more somewhere else. Pay them what you were going to pay somewhere else and keep it in the family. We're always trying to get a good deal. What about giving? They sold everything they had. They met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. looks a lot like church, don't it? They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. Enjoying the favor of all the people. You see that? We spread favor in the body. We spread favor in the body and we enjoy it. We enjoy the return of it. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily, those who were coming to life. Oh my goodness, it's already 12:30, y'all. I just from the very beginning, Jahan and I in this church planning journey, our vision has always been to host the presence of God. To honor him, to worship him, to exalt him, to lift him up. And we've always tried to be disciplined It takes discipline because it's very easy and natural, especially if you know the systems, to focus on building a church. Are you with me? It's very easy to start trying to focus on building a church and building a building or doing whatever. But we tried to be disciplined to keep the main thing the main thing and not get distracted by church building mechanisms. Because we'd been in full-time ministry for many years and we had been on staff and we had been, we had tried to maintain churches that are built and sometimes that becomes all you do is maintain the function of the church. So we've tried to keep the main thing, the main thing, but we always said, we believe that as we do this, we'll look around one day after we've not been focusing on building a church and we'll realize there's a church here. And then we'll organically begin to develop things that minister to the church that just came out of honoring God and glorifying God. That's always been our heart to not do that. And there are times that we got distracted. There's times that I began to get consumed with what we were going to do and how we were going to do it and became overwhelmed. And we had to recalibrate and refocus but there's never been a passion and there's still not to this day to build uh, a church system or structure or function. We only want to establish what is necessary to faithfully steward the lives that God sends us as we worship him together. Does that make sense? But it's very important that we put value on that. Because that's where we're at. There are families. There are homes. There are men and women and children, young people, young, every there's those people here. And so we come together, we worship God, but there's value in all the things that we do together as a body. And it has to be valuable. The church is... A joining together. It is, let me read you something. Uh, Worship services are intended for as much fully embodied participation of everyone present as possible. From a different angle, worship was never intended to be a religious product that is passively consumed. Worship was never intended to be a religious product that is passively consumed. Our worship is shared as we join voices in singing and prayers and eat and drink the body and blood of Christ together. We don't have time today, but you can take notes. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 talks about how all of us come together as we meet and we all do ministry here. James 5, 13, are there any believers in your fellowship suffering great hardship and distress? Encourage them to pray. Are there happy, cheerful ones among you? Encourage them to sing out their praises. Are there any sick among you? Then ask the elders of the church to come and pray over the sick and anoint them with oil in the name of our Lord. I have to close, but the point is We can't plan it enough, we can't structure it enough, we can't organize it enough, and I believe in all of that stuff, but we can't do all of that enough in advance for us to video something or project something by ourselves that encompasses God's intention for that church in their coming together. Here's the reason. Because we would have to get all of y'all together and let all of you bring what you bring into the moment and bring it, then video it, and then put it out. Because what this is supposed to be is a unifying, it is every believer coming in here. How many people pray and, and ask God, What he's going to have you to give, and how he's going to ask you to minister in this body every time you come together. We've made it a a passive thing that I mean, a a thing that's to be passively consumed. We can watch it on TV, we can watch it on live stream, we can do whatever it is. And I believe our people that are watching today, they're engaged and they're sewing, and I hope they comment on there and. We'll engage the best that we can. But without you here, this can't be what he intended it to be because he sent you here to bring something into our gathering. Maybe you're one of the ones that's supposed to prophesy. That's what it was in 1 Corinthians 14. Let some prophesy. Let some sing songs. Let some teach. Let some exhort. Let some do all this stuff. That's what we're supposed to do when we come together. And we've come so comfortable with somebody leading worship, someone speaking, someone doing all the stuff. We come in, we consume it passively, we take notes and we take it home with us and we receive something. But, and then that way, that's real easy to transition that into a video, right? So the very reason that it's so easy, the very concept that it's so easy to make it a video just has reiterated to me that we have something wrong. Because if we're trying to avoid get together, we'd have to get together and all of us contribute what God wants us to contribute to video it to send it out to us. We need the body to be motivated, to be energized, to do the work of the kingdom. It's important to come together because we need to lay hands on the sick. And let them recover We need people that are in hardship and distress To be encouraged to pray To be challenged to pray We need to hear what the Lord is saying During worship we need to hear a word That God is speaking to someone right now That is struggling with this That is doing this That's having hardship in this We need someone to come up and say I need to share something And say hey I believe God is showing me this I just saw a picture I just saw this Someone here needs to hear this today I can't plan ahead for that because I don't know what all of y'all would bring into the moment. Someone needs to be encouraged to worship. Someone needs to be encouraged and challenged to sing out their praises because they have seen a miracle take place in their life. They need to be challenged and encouraged. Hands need to be laid on the sick and they shall recover. We need to host his presence. He abides, he reclines, he rests. On the praises of his people. We need him to be in the room so miracles break out. Where two or three agree together on anything, he's there in their midst and he's working and moving. Those are all things that we can't substitute any other way. We can't capture that. We can't be like Simon the sorcerer and ask if we can bottle it up. We can't bottle the church up and send it out on social media. It can't happen. Because God is the Trinity. God is a God of fellowship. God is a God of unity. He manifests in unity. He comes in different aspects and different personalities and different manifestations. And he is all about communication and flow. And that's how he works in his people. There's no way to avoid that. There's no way to circumvent that. So, the reason we make the decision to forge ahead and be together is because there's nothing else to do without you here. There's nothing else to do. I can't minister to everyone without you. I can't bottle up the church and the encounter that God intends for us as He's called us all here. I can't, I don't contain that. I can't recreate that. I can't make that happen. I was telling somebody last week, they were asking, what is the vision of this church? And I said, what's your vision? Because that's part of the vision of this church. I don't know your vision yet, but if God sends you here, then your vision is a part of our vision. I believe God sent you here for our vision to take new shape and new form. Not our beliefs. We believe. We're not going to, We're not going to start worshiping a cup if that's your vision. But I believe God sends us here to continue to be this living, breathing, moving body. And every person that he sends here, he sends here to bring increase and growth and new aspects of his heart for our community and for our church. And every gathering should be a microcosm of that our vision, our mission, our mandate. It should show up every time we come together and I can't embody that in Jahan singing three songs and me standing up and preaching. And we've enjoyed that because it is affirming to us as leaders to have all the stuff. So many leaders have enjoyed and enjoyed being the person that has all the stuff for so long that now that's all the church has is what that leader has. And if we get there, we've totally become bankrupt. I don't have enough to feed everyone here. I don't, and it's never God's intention for me to feed everyone here. It's God's intention for us to feed each other. Like they did in Acts. Physically, spiritually, every way, we have to be the body of Christ. And so, why push forward? There's nothing else to do. Why meet in person? Because we're the church. And there is no church without you, there's teaching. There's preaching and singing, and at times we may just have to have preaching and singing, but it won't be the church. And it won't be a picture of what God's called us to be, the city set on a hill that can't be hidden. So every chance that we get, if at all possible, we have to come together we have to bring as many as possible together that God has sent here to be truly what he has called us and sent us to be. Because without you, we're not. Let's stand up and we'll leave today. <laughs> I preached exactly the same amount that I always do. And we started 15 minutes late. So we're 15 minutes late. Amen least there's not many of you here that are late the people at home are comfortable they're okay somebody told me the other day one of the best services that we've had in the last year is that service we had down at the coffee shop and it reminded me of it we went till like three o'clock I think you remember that two or three o'clock yeah we were online and we just we prophesied over people that's another example of the body, there's people that said things and declared things, even though there was just a handful of us there. And Guys, I don't assume to know it all. When I read 1 Corinthians 14, some of what it says about how the church functions scares me because I don't want all of y'all coming up here and saying something. <laughs> That's why I come in at 10.30. Some of y'all are like, man, can the pastor not get here earlier? I don't have an office here that I can hide in. And y'all talk to me about some crazy stuff at 1025. It's not touch not the holy anointed one. It's just touch not the ADD one. What is it? ADHD, whatever. Touch not the guy who's trying to focus without chasing too many rabbits. Don't show him a bunch of rabbits right before he goes up there. That's all it is. Touch not the not holy enough one. That's not holy enough to consecrate his mind. All right, He's got to hide. Whatever. That's what I do. I can't. Man, I just wanted to tell you about this really bad thing right before. You know, I was like, oh, gosh. (laughs) And better than that, the problems. Hey, you said this thing to me seven weeks ago, and I just thought this is the best moment to tell you. I'm upset with you. That's never happened. I'm joking. This is a hypothetical thing. (sighs) We love you. I just want to encourage you today. Man, let's let's keep on trying. Let's keep on pursuing. Let's keep on cultivating the church. Let's keep on becoming the church or (laughs) rebecoming. Let's get back to what we were. Let's become, let's re become. The church. If we were just the church, it would be so life giving that people in the midst of whatever it was would be knocking down the doors. We don't have to worry about talking people into coming to the church, we have to talk them into coming to our church that has become a little show sometimes but we'll never have to talk them into coming to the church because every person will leave here so energized so full of life so full of peace so full of hope as and we'll be so connected this is how they'll know that you're my disciples because of your love for one another we won't have a bunch of people leaving here lonely and and depressed and all that stuff we will become inhabitants and embodiments of his power and his truth and his hope and his joy so God make us the church make us what you intended us to be and as we continue to move forward give us continued insight and revelation on how we can be more like what you intended us to be to be your body to be the fullness of who you've called us to be, to be the fullness of what you intended your body to be, to be fully weaponized, to be fully engaged, to be fully uh, prepared, and, and, and let there be no duds in us. Let there be no ones that just uh, refuse to be called out, which is what empowers us and refines us and strengthens us and encourages us. So God, we call, we thank you for calling us out. We call one another out. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for your protection. We thank you for your covering. Lord, I pray for every family in this building and every family at home. Lord, I just pray for your covering and your protection on them. Lord, shine your face upon them. Let them see your countenance. Let them know your nearness. Cover them in Jesus' name. We just pray protection, healing, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you. Don't kiss each other as you leave today. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.